Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Network of Executive Women. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics for women in the workplace. From advancing women of color, to developing and engaging male allies, to how to navigate the new workplace post-COVID-19. Sarah will cover it all as she and her guests dig into these key issues. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. So four years ago this week, I discovered my why. And my why is new. It's the Network of Executive Women. And we're an incredible nonprofit whose mission is to advance all women in the workplace. And in my first year, like any good leader new to an organization, I started meeting with all of our key decision makers and supporters and partners. I needed to check in on the pulse of how they needed us to serve them. And I heard repeatedly from our partners that, hey, we are making progress in the advancement of women. Not enough, but progress. But there was a glaring void and gap. And I heard it repeatedly that we need guidance in the advancement for women of color in the workplace. We just don't even know where to begin. So we changed our mission and we incorporated that pivotal word all advancing all women. And here's where news journey expanded and our mission broadened to reach and serve all. I'm Sarah Alter. I'm the CEO and president of the Network of Executive Women, and I'm the host of our show today, Advancing All Women. And today we are going to focus on how leaders can do a better job supporting, developing, and advancing women of color in the workplace. I am joined by two absolutely incredible leaders. They humble me, and they have made it their mission to do this very thing. Tara J. Frank is a speaker, an author, an equity strategist, and C-suite advisor. Welcome, Tara. Thank you, Sarah. Glad to be here. Karen Jones is a senior director, head of learning and development and DEI for NEW. And welcome to you too, Karen. Thank you, Sarah. So happy to be here with you today. I, I have, I've truly had the honor and joy of being able to work with both of these women and, you know, the, the progress and impact that news been able to deliver, they have both played just a key role. And I didn't even think twice. And I was like, okay, who are the thought leaders I need to bring into this discussion? It was clear. It needed to be Karen and Tara. So you're going to leave our show enlightened and inspired. So don't leave us and listen the whole hour and let's get going. All righty. So Tara, I'm, I'm going to have you kick us off. I want to hear, you know, why did you join me today? Like personally and professionally, you know, what have prompted you to play such a key role in this discussion? Well, first of all, you invited me, so I was not going to say no. Uh, <laughs> I love that answer. I mean, really, you know, if you ask me to show up, I think you know by now, uh, the few years we've been working together, that I will indeed show up. Um, but beyond that, this is my life's work, to be honest. Um, I have been passionate about leadership, you know, even when I was in corporate America doing other things, right, making products and building businesses. 
I was always just really passionate about leadership through that entire time. Um, and now, because I'm passionate about leadership, I've also become very passionate about culture. Um, yeah. And those are, right, the many ways that executives and the companies that new partners with are able to, to impact the opportunity, right? Equal access to opportunity for everybody in their company. So I'm all about culture. I'm all about advancing women um, and certainly creating new pathways, right? For women who have been left behind. Yeah, absolutely. Karen, how about you? And again, you you can't say, hey, it's, you know, because you asked me and I love that you said that. Tara. <laughs> well, Sarah, um, I, like Tara, have spent uh, so many years of my career really focusing on leadership development and ensuring that people can become the best iteration of themselves. And through that journey, um, I saw what you have seen, Sarah, and that is that there was such a ravine and such a differential when it comes to advancing women of color and the pace by which they advance. Um, I come from a legacy of activists. My mom, who was very, very active in the civil rights movement, um, marched with Dr. Martin Luther King and others who really made great progress in their era. And I consider it to be a passing of a baton to really continue the momentum of um, advancing women and people of color um, into the workplace and, and to keep fighting the fight until we literally have equity. Oh, no, God, I love that. I didn't appreciate that in your personal history. Um, there, there, there's, there's opportunity and there's risk when you make this a priority. We talked about this a little bit as we were getting ready for this discussion. And, and I thought that that was, that was interesting and we need to address that. Let's, let's talk about the opportunity, but then let's talk about the risk. What does that mean to you? What is that risk? Yeah, I mean, so when we talk about needing to advance, right, or support, develop, and advance women of color, which is, of course, how we've been talking about it and how we've been trying to deliver um, in the context of the network of executive women, the, the opportunity is vast, right? People always have this conversation about, well, what's the business case for diversity, which honestly makes me want to poke my eyes out. I've come to appreciate why people ask for it. Um, what they're really trying to get at, because there are folks in the organizations who are still, you know, waiting to be convinced, if you will. Um, but the opportunity is, to me, certainly around uh, innovation, you know, around creativity, um, making sure that you're able to bring diverse perspectives to the table in every room you're in, with every decision you make, with every product you create, with every communication you release. I mean, these are the kinds of things where when you have more voices and they're more different, if you will, um, you don't miss anything. I, I look at all the work we do as if we can put a 360 degree lens around it, um, it is bound to be better. Our outcomes are bound to be better. And so that's the way I think about it. But to extend that, when you have you know, representation in your organization, you also become more attractive to emerging talent. Um, you become more attractive to customers and clients because they believe that you're going to have a more holistic view on the opportunities they might take advantage of. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity here. And, and I think we're coming to understand and appreciate that, uh, but we, we do seem to need to repeat it pretty often. Yeah. 
For sure. To add to that, Sarah, to uh, Tara's great points, I'm learning through so many interactions with uh, women of color. There is also a distinctive resolve um, that women of color have in a resilience and an innovation because of the journey that many women of color have traveled to get to the places that they are in their corporate jobs or in their organizations. And what I mean by that is I've met with women of color who have come from immigrant families, those who have been naturalized um, Americans. And when you hear their stories, they're incredible. They're incredible stories of creativity and of resilience and um, of perseverance. And just imagine to be able to apply that to uh, the objectives that organizations have. That, that's a great benefit and a great upside. And to your point, Sarah, about the risks, um, we would be probably remiss, and I'm sure Tara Jay would agree with this, to talk about um, we have to overcome the myth of the zero sum, where mm -hmm. people like if women of color are advancing, that means that they're a loss to others. And that's probably the greatest risk risk um, that we've been, I know both Tara and I have those conversations often about how do we fight that misinformation and provide information that the pie gets bigger and that there's opportunity for all. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, one point I'd honestly like to make about this notion that Karen just brought up, you know, that it's, that it's zero sum um, is two things. One, there really is not a, a legitimate a concern that people who have been advantaged for decades, centuries, but decades inside our corporate <laughs> environments are all of a sudden going to become disadvantaged because we're having a series of conversations and addressing our systems and processes. That it's not realistic to think that switch is going to flip, you know, in the next 10 or 20 years where we're clearly just trying to balance the scales, right? But the other piece of that is I think because it's rooted in fear, and leaders are also afraid that this energy is going to somehow take over or get bigger or become an even greater distraction. I feel like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think we're giving it too much energy, to be honest. There are always going to be people who do not like the fact that you are focusing more energy and attention on trying to create equal access to opportunity because who would like their advantage to be removed from them? But the more attention and energy we give that concern, that issue, that fear, the bigger it grows. So I've been lately just telling people, expect that some folks are not going to like the fact that you're doing this. Expect that as you change and grow, some people might fall out of your organization because they'll mm -hmm. find themselves misaligned with your values. And be okay with that. That's yeah. what change does. Yeah, I clearly do not believe it but I've heard people say there's a risk at having too much diversity in our organization. And that I just don't even connect with that at all. I don't know I, what that means, honestly. Exactly. What mean? <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, if, if, if I've learned through the years, you know, with all my wrinkles and gray hairs, you know, it's like the humble leader is the leader that says, Hey, I don't know it all. And I need to welcome differing perspectives, right? Differing sets of skills and experiences. And just at the most foundational level, that just tells you to the very point of what you both brought up that, you know, the, the most successful leader in organization will have diversity built into its very foundation. Period. Absolutely. I think, Sarah, to your, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself in that and, and, and everything to gain everything to gain. All right. So all talk 
no action, you know, and, and, and I appreciate, um, you know, we have, but what a little bit shy of an hour today to talk about this pivotal topic and, and we're going to barely scratch the surface, but it, 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 it can't just be talk, you know, it has to be action. And, and we covered this last week, we had a, a, a male ally an enlightened male ally panel and it was the very theme of what we talked about. It, it, there's advocacy and then there's allyship. Um, talk to me about what your perspective is on that. You know, do you feel like most organizations are moving from talk to action or are we still too early in the journey and we need to accelerate, consistently accelerate what we're doing? I, I certainly have a point of view, Sarah, on that uh, um, with regard to the momentum uh, and that the pace must be accelerated. And And it's exciting because uh, I would say this is my observation and I'd be curious of Tara's experiences because the, uh, the millennial generation or those in the generation after us, they have what I consider to be um, a healthy unrest. The time okay. they will not accept the pace of the past. And with that, you know, we, we would be remiss, I believe, to, uh, to not admonish organizations to accelerate the pace. The pace that uh, they, the, uh, the, and the luxury of pace that was enjoyed in my generation. Um, and for those of you who are listening, I don't mind telling you I'm in the over 50 crowd. Um, <laughs> and, um, and so my corporate journey and the momentum that we had, it will not be an acceptable momentum moving forward. The younger folks uh, just don't accept that. So I would say um, to put things to action, what gets, as we all know, what gets, gets measured, gets achieved. Um, people have to do so with authenticity and with real value, and they must move faster in order to survive this phase, this next phase of the race. I, I personally experienced that. I'm going to call out my daughter, Emma. You know, we all had the, the, the family-themed dinners, during COVID, right? You know, every night everybody got together, had their dinners, there were themes. And she, to your very point, Karen, is just the biggest advocate ally and she will not accept the status quo. And, you know, for her, she called my sons to the carpet, my husband to the carpet, me to the carpet. I swear she called the dogs to the carpet, you know, <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's a healthy unrest. And I love how you put that. Um, Tara, how about you? Yeah, I love that too. I'm sitting here kind of reflecting on that. Um, well, you know, Sarah, in terms of action, do we need to accelerate? Yes. I, I don't feel like we have an opportunity to take our foot off the gas anytime soon. I feel like as long as I am alive and working in this yeah. space, um, we're going to need to keep our foot on the gas and probably beyond that, to be honest. But this this advocate ally thing, you know, to me, it's all, they're all verbs. They're action words. <laughs> they're about, you know, choices and behaviors we make every single day. I, I talk to a lot of folks about this idea of culture. And I'm gonna, I wanna connect a dot back to this feeling of unrest that you just described, Karen, which I think is, is really smart. I talk about culture as existing on three levels. So you have the claim, the policy, and the norm, right? So there's, the claim is what we say about ourselves as an organization, the policy or the things we put in place to reinforce that claim. And then we have these norms, these choices and behaviors we make every single day. And that's honestly where our corporate culture is defined and sustained. The interesting thing is there used to be a time back 15, 20 years ago 
when we could tell our employees who we were in the world and we just expected them to believe it and kind of come on board. We don't mm-hmm. live in that era anymore. We don't get to tell our employees or our customers, our consumers that we are a diverse and inclusive organization. They tell us. And that's the paradigm that's really flipped on us. So if we want to know what we must do, right, to create a more diverse organization, to unleash talent, to achieve equitable outcomes, then the first people we need to ask (laughs) are our employees. Mm -hmm. They can inform us, right, and inspire us to make different choices and behaviors. Um, And then we have to act. We have to show up as the people we, we want to be. Um, we're not doing that wholly right now, but I think many organizations are trying to, and certainly being more intentional and taking more um, more steps, being more bold, and all of that inspires me to keep going, as I'm sure it does uh, for Karen as well. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's um, you see like best practice organizations like a Target, where to your point, they looked internally, right? They said, how do I create that diverse, equitable, inclusive culture where people feel like they belong. But then they also took it externally. And they said, hey, let's look at our stores, right? And we, and look at our communities, you know, where our stores are. And, you know, as I look across a number of our partners, they, uh, several others have done the same. You know, it's as much about the internal organization as it is the community that you're serving. And, um, you know, as we kind of planted that stake in the ground, you know, a couple of years back, as I shared at the outset of the show, the first thing I knew we had to do was we had to look internally because we had to practice what we preach, right? We're telling our corporate partners, you you need to, you know, have diversity and equity and inclusion built into your culture. And as I looked at new across the board, um, I saw that we did it, humbly saw that we did it. And so, diversifying, you know, our organization has been a key, key step forward. And Tara, I got, I got to call you out and thank you because you helped me do it. You know, as we, you know, took a look at, well, who were the voices that were speaking for new, you know, what were the stories that we were telling, you know, and stories are so powerful. So I have to thank you for that. It's oh, huge my progress pleasure. made through the years on that front. And, and Karen, you've joined us and now you've created a whole new series. Talk talk to us about the the DEI workshops. Yes, that absolutely. you're now delivering because they're they're helping to guide all of our partners along that journey. It, and it's so uh, such exciting work for me, Sarah, and um, and for all the listeners. The um, the workshops actually were birthed out of a great need that our partners had to be able to uh, start conversations that hadn't been had after the sad murder of George Floyd. And so uh, we moved very, very quickly to ensure that our partners had what they needed to be able to get people talking. And literally the, um, the core philosophy of the DEI workshops is this, that we give people the skills that they need to be able to, as we talked a little bit earlier, to start to mitigate the fear that people have and the trepidation about having these discussions. Um, we teach truths about our 
our history um, as a country, and though you know, and um, and how we got here, and in service to how do we link arms and move ourselves forward, um, and dispel the myth that we can do so respectively. We all have to come together in order to create the future that we want for ourselves, our corporations, our children, and so um, the workshops are very much designed around creating a lot of capability and overlaying skills to be able to have these great conversations in the in the moment as well as in future conversations on these topics and others. So it's been a great honor to be able to have the DEI workshops and, um, and see them be so successful within news portfolio. Yeah, and what's so key has been, and, and it, it, I think what's made it so effective is it's about building the awareness, the appreciation, the, the empathy, right? And then it's shifting to, to your point, I loved how you said it, Tara, the action verbs, right? Then yes. advocate. Absolutely. You know, support, you know, take action. And, and that's just, you know, that's the imperative, I think, that individuals and organizations need to take. Um, so, Tara, talk to us. Um, and I know we're just, we're just going to come up to a break here in a couple of minutes. But I know you've also led workshops for new as well. Um, talk to us about the workshops that you, you helped us create and you, both you and Karen are now facilitating and they're specifically focused on uh, supporting women of color. What's different about these workshops? Oh man, um, everything, honestly. <laughs> so when, uh, when you all first asked me to design these experiences, which we were calling new action for women of color, yeah. um, I loved the idea that was already in place, uh, which I actually think came from Robbie Solomon, who worked in that role you know, before I was asked to design them, mm -hmm. which was Absolutely. to bring together multicultural women or women of color and white men and white women and men of any background, right, all together in one space to one, better understand the lived experiences of multicultural women at work but then uh, to translate that understanding into solutions, right? Into bold actions, you know, they could take uh, mm -hmm. to actually move people forward. And so we're doing them over the course of two days. We've been delivering them virtually, uh, both Karen and I. Uh, the first day is really all about empathy. We talk about data, macro data, and then micro data, right? We talk about the macro data, what's going on with multicultural women in the world or in society, what's going on with them in the workplace. We then talk about uh, the data inside any given organization. We then share some data from the people in the room, right? So we kind of take it from a really broad lens to a more narrow, real and present personal lens. And there's storytelling throughout. Uh, and then the second day, we take all of that. We then kind of do this process um, that I do in a lot of places, honestly, where it helps us shine a light on where the bias might be hiding in our systems. Yeah. Uh, so we go through that exercise. We take all of that insight, right, from day one and then from that talent journey experience. And we put people in groups and say, okay, what are some bold goals you can commit to over the next 12 months, right, that you believe will help get us closer to our destination? And, and what they come up with, honestly, is so inspiring. By this time, they're not only infor more informed than they were when they started, but they're also more inspired, they're more committed, um, they're more resolved, right, to make, again, different choices and behaviors than they've made in the past. And for me, that's, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah, yeah. no, life-changing is what I've yes. heard. And, 
and you know can't thank the partners who are taking advantage of these workshops enough um yes. you know for committing to this and and lots of tissues needed right it's <laughs> it's they're emotionally charged conversations right and and as we all know it, you know it's like you, you, you unless you're uncomfortable you're probably not making progress period yeah so, and it's yeah I know we're heading to break, but it's, it's sensitive too, Sarah, because, you know, asking people and mm -hmm. the multicultural women in this case to share their personal stories of what it's like to be them again in the world and in the workplace and, you know, even in their current workplace, it's, it's more than a notion. I mean, it takes a lot of courage, but we're also asking them essentially to access their trauma uh, for the education of others, which principally is something that is really difficult for me to do, to be honest. But at the yeah. same time, I've yet to find a suitable replacement for the impact of that storytelling. And so if we're going to ask them to do that, then what we try to do is make it worthwhile, is make sure that there is an impact, right, as a result of, of them telling those stories. Perfect segue to the second um, segment that we're gonna cover. So don't leave us, cause now we're gonna get into, so what do you do, now what? So we're gonna take a quick short break. I wanna thank everybody who's been listening so far to our Advancing All Women radio show. You can check us out at newonline.org for more information on new and all of our podcasts. We'll be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Network of Executive Women is a nonprofit dedicated to advancing all women and transforming our workplaces through the power of community. We are a growing community of more than 13,500 professional women and men, representing nearly 900 organizations across North America. We are a strong, collective voice for everyone in the corporate world who wants to see gender equality become a reality, and we welcome all who champion our cause. Members of NEW gain access to a broad network of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development. Corporate organizations also gain access to DEI Solutions, which fosters a more inclusive and productive work culture. Plus, members can engage across NEW's 22 regional communities and attend two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and leadership. Join Network of Executive Women today. Visit newonline.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member of NEW. That's newonline.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? 
Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Network of Executive Women? Visit our website today at newonline.org. That's N-E-W online.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter and the Advancing All Women radio show. And I am joined today by Tara J. Frank, speaker, author, equity strategist, and C-suite advisor, as well as Karen Jones, senior director, and she's the head of learning and development and DEI for new. And our topic at hand, how can we better support the advancement of women of color in the workplace? Now, we just segued away. Um, Tara, you had, had done an excellent job setting the stage for you know, here's how we take action, right? Um, but it, it, it uh, as we've heard, I, I know we, we talked about the incredible Mary Frances Winters, author of Black Fatigue. The, the, the risk you run <laughs> is that Black fatigue, you know, that burden that is placed on, you know, women of color and them having to revisit time and time again the trauma that they've experienced. Um, and, and, you know, so much of what, you know, Mary Frances Winters has advocated is you have to self-educate. You can't put that burden on the, the women of color. You know, you have to take the initiative um, and you have to face the fact that you're going to feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, because it, it will be a very sensitive discussion as you'd pointed out, Tara, um, let's probe into that a little bit more because it it that's I think it's that key component of making progress in a culture. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that's coming to mind for me, and I've shared this with other people before. So if we go back to May of 2020, um, when George Floyd was murdered, and of course it went viral and everybody was talking about it. And we started having this conversation in the workplace. The one thing that I shared with so many folks is, look, um, this whole issue of racism in society and in the workplace is basically something that Black people have put in a box, you know, tied up with with a, a bow and put on a shelf so that we could go into work every day and do our jobs and be successful and um, survive in spite of, right? Countless microaggressions, um, countless 
you know, racist encounters that were happening outside of work and sometimes inside of work. And what happened after that incident was everybody kind of knocked that box off the shelf and the debris went flying everywhere. And it was in our hair and in our eyes, you know, and in our clothes. And we were trying to contend with the reality of it, just as our white colleagues were trying to see their way through the reality of it. Because race is not something we talked about at work before. It was put in the same category as politics and religion. Mm -hmm. And you also don't talk about race. And then if you think about in the 70s, these code words or code phrases, you know, that we would use to ensure that we didn't talk about people's pain or people's disenfranchisement, right? We, we came up with phrases like using, playing the race card, for example. Mm-hmm. So all of these mm-hmm. kinds of things that existed pretty much assured that we were not going to talk about racism or its impact in the workplace. And now all of a sudden we were, and we were talking about it every day, and we were talking about it all day in some cases. Um, and that is not only emotionally exhausting, uh, but it really did for so many people trigger PTSD of sorts. You know, yeah. r- racism yeah. is traumatic. Um, and so this, this PTSD, right, that so many people were kind of dealing with by being asked to, to open up, you know, their hearts and their souls and pour everything out on the table, it's really hard. My um, Real quickly, my husband was an executive at his former company and his, the CEO reached out and asked him, you know, if he would tell everybody his story. And I, I looked at him and I said, tell them no. And he was like, what? I said, tell them yeah. no, because yeah. you've been trying to have this conversation for two years. Yeah. And people didn't want to have it. And so now all of a sudden, they want you to get on a stage and open up all your stuff so that they can demonstrate that they're willing to have a conversation that you've been trying to have for two years. I was mad, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You know, I was mad on his behalf. He wasn't mad. He doesn't get mad. But I was mad. (laughs) You know, it's a thing. Yeah, it, it is a thing. And I think to uh, Tara, I may be more uh, similar to your husband uh, in that. And, and you're, you're more similar to my husband in that because my husband had this similar anger. But I love Tara's metaphor, Sarah, about this, uh, the, you know, this thing getting knocked off the shelf and flying everywhere, because it, it the one thing that was, I would say, cathartic and painful for me after George Floyd was uh, was murdered was I found out for the first time that my lived experience was the lived experience. And and I can tell you, um, it was right around the time that I met Tara and others like her when we started to compare notes across because to Tara's point, it was something that was very much taboo to be spoken about in the workplace. And, um, And now I think the toothpaste is out of the tube. We can never go back to the right. way it was prior. Right. Um, it, is, it is not the healthy place. And I think it will be unacceptable to do so, as I mentioned, for generations that uh, come behind people like me. And so with that, um, the exercise here to your point, Sarah, is to take decisive action. 
and to figure out what that might look like and to go ahead and get the courage to become comfortable, be, being uncomfortable, to have the conversations, to engage all in the conversations and, to, and it's going to be unacceptable otherwise to the talent that's coming, uh, to the emerging talent and the talent that's coming at this point into organizations. We're in a new reality, I would say. Absolutely. Yeah, people have referred to this past year as the year of reckoning, right? On so many fronts, and in particular on this topic, it's now creating that it's not even just the opportunity, it's it's the necessity. Absolutely. And I've also learned, Sarah, uh, that this phenomenon is global. That's another thing that I, I, you know, things that I thought and assumed were U.S. based and people were kind of looking at us with curiosity about it. What I've learned, it, it has had it has resonated across the globe um, as I talk to professionals yeah. like Tara and myself that uh, do this work across in many different countries. So with that reckoning, we need to transform. And Tara, you've got a new book coming out, which will yeah. provide guidance to leaders and organizations on how do you transform? Talk to us about your book. Thank you so much for asking, first of Of all. Um, (laughs) And I am like knee waist, you know, chest deep in putting the the finishing touches on this thing right now. So uh, every moment that I'm not, you know, in a meeting. (laughs) um, I'm working on it. Typing away, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Although you said you hit your groove. Oh, totally. The yeah. Other day. So it's, yeah. I mean, it's just about done. I'm fine tuning. But yeah, so my book is called The Waymakers. Um, and the point of it, honestly, Sarah, if I just kind of make it personal for a moment, is I realized that every black and brown person I know who has made it to the top of an organization made it there, not just because they're brilliant and have driven results and all of that other stuff, but also because somebody made a way for them because someone right along the way, opened the door, held it open, ushered them through, removed the barriers and the boundaries. And at the end of the day, we can attack our systems and we should, and we are right. Mm -hmm. We can reinvent our processes and we should, and we are, we can do all of those things. We can figure out our recruiting strategies, right. And go to bigger pools. We can, we can do all of that, but we also just need more way makers in the world. As far as I'm concerned, we need more people feeling more responsible for more people. The way that I think about this is anytime we're involved in any change, you're always going to have people on the front end, like, let's go, let's change. Then you're going to have people on the other end, digging their heels in, not wanting to change. They don't really have any reason to, but you always have the majority of people in the middle who are sometimes sitting on the fence, right? Observing, watching what's happening, not seeing themselves as having an active role in facilitating a change. And so the Waymakers is an invitation. It's an invitation to that 60% to come off of the fence and get into the arena with me and with you and with Karen, right? So that we can actively usher in this equitable workplace we deserve. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very practical. It's very pointed. You know, it, it kind of follows this path that I talk about, path to change, which is to one, embrace realism to really understand what's actually going on in the world and in your workplace that impacts people, black and brown people, people who exist on other dimensions of difference. So the realism is step one. 
The responsibility is step two, which basically says this is not the job of HR or of your DEI Mm -hmm. team. This is the Mm -hmm. job of every leader and every person with a heart to help. And then lastly, relationship, which says, you know, look, when we create relationships across difference, when we become more familiar with people who are not like us, we build trust, we build relationship, relationship opens doors of opportunity, right? And those doors create greater cre- creativity and, and business outcomes. So yeah, it's, it's so exciting. Um, and I really feel like I was born to, to write this book and to do this work. <laughs> and so I've been on cloud nine. And to add, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh no, Karen, please. To to, I'm I'm super excited about Tara's book because um, it's so needed to help people to rebuild their systems as well as to understand their personal space and how they can uh, change. And to that point, um, Sarah, and your great question, some of the changes that we need they're um, they're rudimentary and and much more simple than people think. Tara mm-hmm. just touched on it, and I build on her point. Get to know someone that's not like you and learn how to manage your implicit and unconscious biases. Um, And so one of the things that I hear, and I'm sure Sarah, you and Tara have heard this as well, through our corporate journeys where people say things like, "So, so are you looking for a good talent or a person of color? You know, as if those live in diametric opposition to each other. And those are things that need to be managed and perceptions that need to be managed. Um, I've had innumerable conversations uh, in my corporate journey where I've seen, I've said, I see myself at sea level and I've had a person sit before me and say, you do? Are you serious? <laughs> you see yourself that way? And, um, and it is disheartening. And, and, th- and those things can be changed in the moment by just people managing their own biases and getting to know people for who they are and valuing um, what people bring to the table and and really doing that work themselves. Girl, where is that person who said that to you? You know, Tara, not not doing well, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Not not at new, I can guarantee you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so let me ask ask you this then, because it, it, it self-education is so key, right? The burden should not be placed. Um, and, and we're talking about women of color and women of color. How do you avoid that from happening then? Because I appreciate what you're saying here. And it's mm-hmm. it's I I I want to gain understanding and appreciation and empathy, but I don't want to exhaust you <laughs> emotionally. How how do you do that? Um, you, you know, I'll, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll jump in very quickly. I'd love Tara to weigh in as well. But, you know, I, I saw something that was rather humor, humorously stated, uh, Sarah, about this topic. And the person said, I have a profound place for you to look if you want to indoctrinate yourself about people of color. It's called Google. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Google you know. it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Like, OK, yes. There, there are books and articles yes. and magazines and, you know, movies and all of that. And the way that you find the best ones that have been most helpful to people is absolutely to search it <laughs> on the web where we search everything else that we are curious about and want to better understand. To, to be honest, I mean, all of the information is out there. I'll, I'll share with you, if it's okay, a really personal um, epiphany that I just had last week. So I've been hosting this um, 
it used to be every Monday, but I've been really busy writing this book. So it's less frequently now. This session on Clubhouse, which is the audio app on Mondays at 4 p.m. Central. And I was basically, we were having lots of conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I first set up the space to help people new to this work understand how to navigate the landscape, right? Yeah. So last week, we had a, a perspective session, and we invited people who live with disabilities and who also work in the disability space. And I was essentially just hosting them. They, they ran the discussion. They moderated the discussion. They shared their insights. And I had a big insight at the end of this because the topic was, why is disability left out of the DEI discussion? And so my insight was DE, uh, disability is left out of the DEI discussion because many people who are leading DEI don't know enough about disability. And because mm -hmm. they don't know that much about it, they feel less confident talking about it, leading conversations about it. So this lack of comfort, this lack of awareness, this lack of insight and knowledge essentially makes it something that we don't discuss to the degree that we should. And what occurred to me was, this is how white people at work feel about race. They're not comfortable enough, knowledgeable enough, insightful enough about the topic. And so they don't talk about it as much, which really compromises their ability to learn more. So I made a personal commitment to learn more about people with disabilities in the ways that we can be more inclusive mm -hmm. because I just kind of had this insight. I'm like, oh, well, when you don't know, you don't know. And when you don't know, you don't say, and you don't really further your learning process, right? Tara yeah. makes a profound point about that, Sarah. Um, I, I ended up with a life circumstance by which I learned about people with disabilities. My uh, college roommate and cousin uh, became a, a paraplegic due to a, a tragic accident. And, um, and, and, and to the point, and to, and to use this analogy, you know, I didn't just you know, tax her over and over day by day about how that felt and what we, I needed to do differently. I did my own research um, to ensure that I was equipped when I was around her to make her comfortable and to ensure that I would, and, you know, and I would ask, you know, if I would err and things of that nature. And she was very welcoming, but, um, but I did my own research and that's what we have to do because those of us who are people of color, Sarah, we spend uh, a lifetime from very small children understanding uh, difference and race and white culture. Literally, as small children, we start to learn those things. But the reality that I've been faced with recently is that um, people who are not, those who are not people of color can literally live and die and not know a lot about people of color. Um, and often they don't encounter that. And so they, um, there, there's a lot of self-directed learning that um, can, should be done and is readily available, to Tara's point, readily available. I love it. And, and you said it earlier, um, Karen, I believe you said it that it don't overthink it. You know, you, you can take simple actions, you know, things you can do every day, you know, every week, every month, and that all adds up, you know, mm -hmm. and then we ultimately, it's, it's not a moment. It's not one thing we do. It's a movement, right? And, and we need to do it consistently. Beyond the self-education, what else can other leaders do? If they're committed today, they're like, okay, you know what? I haven't done enough, what do I do today? What are a couple of other things that they can do? 
Um, I'd like to add um, things very quickly. I know we're we're close to time, but it, it, in the moment, just uh, muster your courage and do and um, become an ally. For example, if you're in company where there are inappropriate comments or jokes or things of that being, uh, have the courage mm-hmm. to say something. You know, if there are, if you're in circumstances in your organization where people are not giving fair opportunity, have the courage to say something. Speak up on behalf of that. Um, I think those are things that can be done tomorrow, as they say, Sarah, um, yeah. without a whole lot of training. Just most of your courage and and do what is right and call it out. So that would be my contribution. But Tara J, please jump in. No, I would just kind of simply say that remember human beings are human beings and your talent, they want to feel seen, respected, mm-hmm. valued, and protected. Mm-hmm. They want to feel seen, respected, valued, and protected. Everybody wants to feel these things, but some people feel that to a lesser degree. Mm-hmm. Some people have those experiences more infrequently. And so if we can realize that everybody wants that and make ourselves more conscious, right, of the, the ways that we deliver that experience to people who have been underrepresented, who have been marginalized, who, you know, maybe aren't in our circles of influence or in our learning loops, if you will, um, we will start to shape a culture where people actually feel that they belong. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other bigger epiphany I've had is it's, it's, it's not about me right? Like it's, it's, it's not about how I feel in this process, in this journey. It's about those who I serve. And uh, it, it, that, that to me, it's, um, you know, I've, I've learned that it's to your point, Tara, I've got to continue to educate myself. And, and as, you know, new continues to broaden who we serve, you know, we're reaching out to a lot of outside thought leaders and partners and organizations who know a heck of a lot more than we do in some of these areas. Um, In the coming weeks, we're going to have a show in partnership with HRC, and we're going to focus on how can you better support the LGBTQIA plus community and humbly appreciate we don't necessarily know it, but let's educate ourselves, you know, so that we can. Um, Any final thoughts? Any final takeaways for everybody as we close out the show? Uh, I think my final parting shot for your listeners, Sarah, would be um, have the courage to open your heart to listen to those things that you wouldn't normally listen to. Come outside of the echo chamber of your own social media and your own friend group to really explore and to learn because the world is uh, the beauty of the world opens up when we are when we feel courageously enough to know each other and to get outside mm-hmm. of our comfort zones to learn about each other um, because I. I've learned, Sarah, in my travels, I've had the blessing of traveling across the world for work. And um, those things that make us the same far exceed those things that make us different. So I just ask the listeners to open your heart and have the courage to know someone that's different from you, not to necessarily just agree with everything they say, but to learn and to grow and it'll enrich your life. So that's probably my parting shot. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. And I could not agree more. Um, I would just remind everyone listening that you have a role to play. This is your work. (laughs) This is your work. The work does not belong to multicultural women alone. The work does not belong to human resources. 
the work belongs to you. And if we can embrace that and own that, um, we will behave differently, we will make different choices, and we will usher in, right, again, the, the equitable workplace uh, that we deserve and that our children deserve. Yeah. Absolutely. Sarah, if I have a moment to just share uh, a beautiful beautiful metaphor. My uh, younger daughter has, as the three, you know, you and Tara know to exhaustion. I talk about my daughter. That's the aerospace engineer. But um, I share this beautiful metaphor that she shared with me about why she wants to go into space and outside of the Earth's atmosphere. And she said, Mommy, the reason I want to do it is, is because when you look back down onto the Earth from space, it's just Earth. The boundaries that we've drawn as humans disappear. And, and it's just humanity and it's just earth. And, um, and I think about that in, in the beautiful way that she stated that, because that is so true. We have draw- these, these boundaries and these things that divine us are man-made constructs and therefore we can deconstruct them and, um, and, and have a greater and, and have a better world. You know, if we can just imagine to do that, imagine this new reality. And we're all on earth together. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a, a beautiful, beautiful metaphor and the perfect way to close us down. (laughs) I cannot thank you enough, Karen and Tara. As I shared earlier, you have truly inspired me (laughs) and I know you've inspired our audience. And I thank you um, for sharing your voices and your perspectives and your stories and your advice and guidance. And I want to thank everybody for listening in today. I know you were moved. I want to thank Voice America for giving me and you the opportunity to share our voice and our mission to all of you. Tune into us next week. We will be back. And what we're going to focus on next week is we're going to provide you with actionable solutions for how to better support and advance women in the workplace in this post-COVID Cray cray is what I'm going to call it. There's a stat (laughs) out there. It says it's the World Economic Forum. And they said, and in the last year, year and a half, women have lost 36 years of progress in their career journey. 36 years. We're going to tackle that. Yeah, we're going to tackle that next week. (laughs) So for more information on new, And all of our podcasts, check us out at newonline.org. I'm Sarah Alter, and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.